Hi, and welcome to the 5-Minute Business Boost, where you get to choose your 5-minute investment. It could be topics under the headings, business development, marketing or photography, or even a mix of all three. There'll be discussions, reviews, how-tos, tips and tricks, and so much more, depending on how I, your host, Sam Hicks, is feeling. So possums, listen up, and here we go. Sam Hicks here and welcome to the 5-Minute Business Boost. In this episode, I'm talking about Web 4.0 and it's a long podcast episode, so apologies. Let's go back to the beginning. Bear with me here. But first, a disclaimer. Each of these stages can be somewhat overlapping and there's so much information on the internet about these web stages. Some opinions are opposite of each other and many claims it's still evolving. I've listened to podcasts, read articles, papers and journals and scoured through so many opinion pieces on this subject. All I can say is it's still evolving and we're becoming the centre of it all as consumers and business owners who rely on this data to attract clients but don't want to be centrally controlled. It's a very interesting space. Web 1.0. This was a time and it was really just intended to function as a hyperlinked information system, a massive library of data sourced from computers all over the network all linked computers and displayed on a screen for users to browse by clicking around linked texts and images. This was noted by gillsdc.com web3, a short history of the web, an article that he wrote. Many state it was around the time, 1990 to 2004, that static websites were all the rage. They were just text and pixelated images. Remember how slow the internet was? A cuppa as you waited just to search up a simple information piece. No consumer interaction back then. We're all just consumed by reading and seeking out information. The original idea behind it was represented by its decentralised infrastructure. Without the help of central concierges, anyone could send any kind of information to anyone in the world that had a PC or one of those big chunky laptops from the 80s and 90s. Remember the power books? They were like bricks. And then in 1992, the first Motorola International 3200 came out. Oh my God, it was so expensive and huge as a portable phone. But I digress. Let's talk about Web.2.0. This is the term used to define the second generation of internet technology. It focuses on the ability to empower users to collaborate and share information online from around the time of 2003-2004. Websites. You could now respond. Some called it the dynamic age. Users could interact and designers could build better looking websites. Good example of interacting internets in that time were blogs, wikis, WordPress websites, e-commerce sites with customer reviews and social media sites such as MySpace, Facebook, Twitter. All around 2006 and oh sorry 2004-2006 and YouTube came into being around 2007. The same year the hashtag arrived according to Hootsuite's history of social media blog. And as early adopters, we just got out there. We got involved. We signed up. We created content. And the era, the era of targeted advertising began because we just gave up our details and we shared everything. There was and is still no privacy. In the research I've done, many are saying that there are problems with Web.2.0. 
5.0. The network size determines consumer value, especially in this online era that we're in. We've seen central platforms explode as we gained access to more people, images, ideas, and the further development of technology. Companies became hungrier for more larger pieces of the online pie. Take WhatsApp, for example, the most popular messaging app, according to Clement in 2019, announced it would capture more user data for profit. Millions vowed to leave the app for private alternatives such as Signal, WeChat, Telegram or Snapchat. I'm not sure if you heard the debacle, but it was big news for a while in early 2021. And yes, a few control and listen to our usage and data in the name of increasing customer service and experience. Just look at the bigger players, Google, Apple, Facebook and Amazon, TikTok. Our conversations, our searches, content, both in the form of stills and video and any sort of media and all that lovely data is monitored and used as marketing statistics or insights that can be and is sold to advertisers. It's noted as attention farming, or as as TechCrunch in 2021 said, it's the attention-driven digital economy. So now we have apps for nearly everything, harvesting all that lovely information and that data collecting as it goes. But there are internet, social media and app boundaries. Annoy any of them, for example, on social media platforms and you're out, or you're banned for an amount of time. Look how many of us have secondary accounts just in case. Overall, it's rented space. Platforms own everything that you create online. Move outside the community guidelines. If you don't update or keep ahead of the improved security aspects, ensure that you verify yourself and all your business accounts or post something rude, you face the reality of being banned or worst. And all of that effort is gone. With Whip. 3.0, the web is starting to really care about you, about the products you seek and purchase, your usage of it, and all the while creates lovely trackable data. (coughs) Just like in 2.0, but it's getting bigger and more personalized. And we can ask it artificial intelligence to find music, dial numbers on our mobiles and find the latest movies and so much more. Users can analyse, retrieve and share information through personalised searches and reviews. These results are provided based on user behaviours being learned by your browser. Very intuitive. This technology makes the cyberspace a more open, more connected and far more intelligent environment. And business owners can use that data to drill down to their target markets. It, It allows you to sort of, you know, form that... Um, avatar, as um, marketers like to say. Actually, personally, I hate that word, avatar, but it does allow you to get a good insight into the people that are interacting with your brand. So, as I said, enables and empowers users to even more than Web.2.0. Think about Google. It used to base search results on keywords and article quality. Now, Google will analyse content relevancy, content sharing, who shares such content, your online relationships, influences, and so much more. And God forbid if you don't have a website that actually has that HTTP at the front of it. Even where your ISP is based, Google now understands this. 
And as a society and as businesses, we've become more mobile. Thanks to those huge chunky phones in Web 1.0 times that became smaller and smarter from 2000 onwards. And we've become more mobile. You know, COVID's made it more mobile. We worked from home. We're on the move the whole time. And we are connected to those devices 24-7. And now, like my life and possibly yours, we're all organised by alerts, prompts, reminders and apps and all synced across devices. We are so social. It started as MySpace and it took us in on Facebook. Today we post and create, share, instantly talk to each other and suggest and refer and small businesses can advertise to us and we as small businesses owners, we can advertise to our consumers. We used to share friends, photos, we used to share, sorry, photos with our friends, but now we get into consumer-rated Ubers and order food with apps, depending on geo-targeting. So it's all happening. Then came that cloud thing, you know, the one that doesn't rain? Apple, Google and Microsoft make building or storing on the web cheap. Every day, mum and dad businesses don't have to outlay for and or maintain expensive hardware such as their own servers. We all now can subscribe monthly for as little as $1.49 a month for the lowest cloud storage plans. And this is where also blockchain began. Google states that peer-to-peer network that peer-to-peer network that sits on top of the internet was introduced in October 2008 and the discussions about decentralised autonomous organisations or DAOs is actually starting to happen now, according to Forbes contributor Kathy Hackle, who explains that a DAO's financial transactions and rules are recorded on a blockchain. And this is all monitored by non-traditional companies. So there are no sole decisions and it's all about community-based governance. While she goes on to explain that this seems workable, there are also issues around security and codes and how quickly the company can react due to its massive membership. So much like, I suppose, my understanding of a not-for-profit model in the way or like a charity that can accept donations globally as opposed to locally, but their members actually decide on how to spend and they have transparent protocols to follow. Sometimes a small business can make quicker decisions and react quicker due to lesser numbers of who can make decisions, much like government and private enterprise differences in decisions and turnaround on projects. So that was quite a lot to digest and (coughs) you might have to go back and listen to that. That was a huge chunk. But let's chat about Web.4.0 now. I keep saying Web 4.04. That's so funny. So Web 4.0 is the correct term. Okay, so before was a little heavy. This one now gets a little wacky, so strapping. Mobile devices make it possible to always add, share and spread information. We're getting used to that. Everything we use today shows us that. So think of apps and how they can guess what you might be wanting to do next or what you are looking for. This is what they refer to as symbiotic web. It's not, whereas it's just not data that is, but also how and what users do with it that is important and what they need determines the results. The technology is already out there. Think back to Web.3.0. So it can be voice-based. Think of Siri and Google search by voice. 
and it can be used on the go. It's more automation and many of the bigger companies like Amazon, Google and Apple are already using it. Now warning, a little bit of techie talk, sorry. Web 4.0 services are mooted to be independent and self-learning. They can work together and create their own content. Web 3.0 made it possible for apps to talk directly to one another and for users to search more data using very simple interfaces. And this will continue to evolve as millions is being spent on the tech by startups and global businesses. Just think about, say, MailChimp and how it interacts with your website with a sign-up form. That's the type of interaction that I suppose in basic form you can think about. Artificial intelligence will be the core of that technology and many are saying that intelligent agents, which is basically just a program that can make decisions based on a range of inputs and learning, will assist and take care of internet-based web databases. Now, a bit tricky, but it's my understanding that these little databases are stored in index structures. So I suppose I'm thinking like Excel, but I could be wrong, but whereas they are hidden, whereas the record part of the database is visual. Keeping up, oh gosh, I'm confusing myself, but I think the Excel analogy works quite well for me. You can visually see the record, but behind it is that index structure. Anywho, some are saying Web.4.0 is a type of middleware. Think of the old middleman salesman type that will become an operating system in the long run. Others are saying it's about empowering consumers and business owners not to be so controlled by the big data-driven companies, creating more an open space that is more user-centric, assists with better data control and accountability. Others claim it's about increasing accessibility, governance and choice. There will be improved user experiences and with increased legislation globally, there will be further moves towards decentralising how we use and interact with apps and the internet. So how does that affect my small business, Sam? Really? What the hell? Okay, so it really is about understanding those marketing opportunities on Web 3.0 and Web 4.0 and how they're going to help both businesses to customer and business-to-business companies because of the data that we can access to market to our desired consumers. In a nutshell, as business owners, we must be aware of it, whether or not we understand it or not, or whether or not it does your head in, because trust me, this research for this podcast has taken me weeks and weeks for me to get my head around it. But it is here now. It's entrenched in our lives and it's evolving still. But also we must understand that we must be ethical in our own online choices, in the business choices that we make. So that's it for today's five minutes. Well, it's much longer today. It looks like it might get up to the 15 minutes. So apologies again, but thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Feel free to subscribe to my podcast or email, follow on socials or share, get in contact to suggest topics for discussion. And remember in business, anything is possible, especially in the Northeast of Victoria. So until next time, cheerio possums.